I'm very, very proud of my culture, of my family, of my background, of everything. It's just sometimes I feel frustrated because the world and especially media is not really geared for people like me. It's not really geared towards women, towards minorities, towards non-white, towards... So in a way, I just use those as opportunities for improvement and things that I'm going to fix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Life Well Live podcast with me, Shane Breslin. Guest on this week's episode of the show is Shinjini Das. I think it's fair to say that Shinjini is very different than a lot of the guests I've had on the show over the past couple of months, many of whom brought several decades of experience from their chosen fields or sectors to bear in our conversation. Shinjini Das is at the opposite end of that age spectrum. She is in her mid-twenties. She is the self-styled go-getter girl and she is also an author speaker, entrepreneur, and social media influencer. She's based on the West Coast of the United States. And in our wide-ranging conversation, we talked about her public speaking background. She has been competitively public speaking since her early teens. We talked about her status as a female entrepreneur from an ethnic minority background and the part that that has played in her development over the last number of years. We also chat about introversion and extroversion. We chat about mentorship and why she feels that mentorship has not worked for her in her career so far. And we talk a lot about social media, the ever hungry beast of social media, which is a foundation for Shinjini's business and brand, but why she sees it as such a necessary evil in that she sees the massive potential upsides, but is also very, very aware of the potential downsides. There's no doubt in my mind that Shinjini Das is an inspiration to many, many entrepreneurs all over the world, both from a female and from an ethnic minority background. I hope you do enjoy this conversation. I certainly got a lot out of it. Without further ado, on to this week's conversation with self-styled go-getter girl, entrepreneur and speaker, Shinjini Das. Shinjini, it's fantastic to welcome you to the show. The show is all about navigating life's challenges and being our best selves in the world and, you know, just ultimately living whatever it is that is a life well lived. And that's an individual life and a contented life and something that we can be proud of when we get to the end of our days. So I'm delighted to welcome you to the show because I have been paying some attention to to what you're about. I'm looking forward to exploring more about that over the next um, 45 minutes or so. So, So welcome. I'm delighted to, I'm looking forward to this conversation is really an honor. So thank you. You're very welcome. So take me back. Where does the story of Shinjini Das start? It starts really young. You know, I'm probably one of the younger start stories because my primary title, Shane, is an entrepreneur. It's not an actor. It's not a dancer. It's not a singer. Whereas I may as very well do all of those things, right? But my primary title is an entrepreneur. And so from that angle, you know, my story actually was probably one of the earlier starts. So really the threat has been public speaking. Uh, So I started public speaking at 14 and started competing. So competitive public speaking at 15 which again, super young. Uh, So not selling as much stuff as maybe verbally selling, right? Because you're selling a message, right? You're selling a story. Maybe you're selling your story, you know? So that was my start. And how it happened was I was discovered at my eighth grade graduation ceremony. I was told to give the eighth grade graduation speech by just 
I don't even know. I think to this day, I don't even know why they picked me because I wasn't the student government president. You know, I wasn't, I say I wasn't valedictorian, but I guess I was valedictorian of eighth grade. So I don't know, maybe that's why, but really to this day, I'm not sure why they picked me. Uh, and the valedictorian is like number one GPA, number one grade. So, but they didn't say that. So I had no idea. And, you know, by the, at that time, I'm a very obedient child, <laughs> you know, so some adult is telling me to give the speech and I'm going to say yes, because that's what we're trained to do, at least for me, you know, as a young Asian person growing up, you know, in America, you know, I'm trained to listen to elders and, you know, authority and all of that, right? So I said, yes, gave the speech. I, and then I was done, you know, I'm like, great, awesome. I'm going to high school. Thank you all. You know, and I left. I couldn't leave the room. I was 14 years old. I could not leave the room. And every single person in that room came up to me and my mom, it was just me and my mom, and said, she has to do this. You have to do this. And I'm looking at them going, what's this? Because, you know, we're, you know, Indians. So math and science, these are your options in life. <laughs> maybe, maybe business. But speaking, like we, I mean, I really asked, I said, what is this? And they said, speaking. And I said, what is speaking? I mean, I really don't know. So then they said, no, public speaking. You know, look it up in high school. It's called speech and debate. And I said, okay, thank you. You know, that's really sweet. So, you know, looked at my mom, super confused. <laughs> She's like, what's that? What? I mean, we don't know. You know, this is not a world that either of us is familiar with. So anyway, so life happened, went to high school. Again, I'm, you know, super driven child, right? So I looked up the speech and debate team did debate for about a year, didn't like it, started uh, speaking about 15, so 14 to 15 is ninth grade, 10th grade is 15 years old. I started my first public speaking competition at the regional level, because you have to start at the regional level. I literally won everything, Shane. Like as I'm sitting here in my room, I'm looking at, because I have all my trophies still, <laughs> I'm that person, <laughs> story all of them. But I won everything. And in the course of the three years, I think I had about 20 plus wins. So I calculated it from my college, you know, applications and all that, um, which is crazy, right? Because I have no training in this, you know, I'm, and I'm like, I'm an amateur, you know, and I won everything. And that for me was a personal turning point because I realized that there's something here. I don't know what it is. I'll be completely honest with you. I was not sure what it was because I'm 15, 16 years old. I don't know what this will become, but I knew that this is very like rare. Number two, I never won any trophies in my life. So I'm sitting here with like 20 trophies and I'm like, there's something here, you know, because again, I'm thinking about, you know, tennis player growing up, he wins everything. She wins everything, goes on to play in Wimbledon. Like that was my path. Right. And I'm like, for me, maybe it's speaking. That's my tennis. So that's when it started. And then I gradually moved up the ranks. So I became state champion of Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia Original Oratory in 2008. So I was 16, became state champion, 17, became a national finalist. So you're seeing the trajectory was very, very fast, very, very fast with no training, zero training, uh, zero coaching. So that was the turning point. And then, you know, applied to college, Georgia Tech, science and engineering. And I still remember, I was like, you know, all these speakers, you know, they're majoring in communications and English. Because I asked them, you know, when we were at these competitions, I'm like, oh, what are you going to go to college for? You know, they said speech, they said communication. And I still remember then, Shane, again, 18, I said that why would I go to college for something that I'm clearly naturally good at? You know, like that for me is not a great benefit. So I'm actually going to do something that I'm probably not the best at, but I know that I'm going to get the degree. And that was Georgia Tech. So I have a bachelor's in industrial engineering. 
which again makes me stand out even more, you know, in all of this. So worked at Deloitte for about a year and a half out of graduation. Um, didn't like it, quit, started at a digital marketing consultancy, worked there for six months, quit. Meanwhile, I was discovered by the media. That was a huge turning point in 2015 at 23. And since then, everything has just turned upside down. (laughs) So they were like, you are meant for television. You are meant for media. And you know what? I was like, I think they're right because this is the only industry in the world where everything I do actually comes together in a sane way. And I'm actually respected for what I bring not put down for what I bring because there was a lot of like, oh, why are you speaking? You know, you're 22. You know, why are you leading this? You're the, you're too loud. You're too this. You're, and I'm like, I'm tired of this. Like I know who I am and I know what value I provide. And clearly it's not exactly respected in corporate, at least at my age, it wasn't. And so this provided me an awesome exit, you know? So 24 started the company, media company, and now we're going on two and a half years. Amazing. Lots of stuff that I want to touch on and explore maybe a little bit more there. In terms of the the speaking that you did back in school in your teenage years and you won all those prizes, what was the message there? Did you have a set talk that you delivered? Did you speak on something completely different wherever you went or what was your kind of modus operandi there? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think the biggest thing for me, even then, Shane, because it's still my brand, you know, which is there's a certain sense of purity that I have, which I'm very, you know, proud of actually, because in this world, it's so easy to get corrupted. You know, it's so easy to feel like it'd be bad, right? It's so easy to be bad. (laughs) It's so hard to be good. Right. And we started off our conversation with that, right? The good conscience. It's very actually difficult to find that in mainstream media. So even then, the speeches were very pure, right? So it was like, don't stereotype. You know, which, I mean, you know, coming from a like 15, 16 year old is you feel for this person, you know, because they're like, you know, shouting from the rooftops, don't stereotype. It's bad. You know, like there's a certain like innocence, you know, there was a certain innocence in everything that I did actually. And I think that worked really well. So one of them was don't stereotype. One of them, you know, the stereotypes are bad. We should let everybody, you know, be who they are. That was one of them, winning speeches. One of them was, you know, confidence and how this one, uh, Future Business Leaders of America, it's an organization. I said, you know, how this organization helped me find my confidence because I started competing in public speaking with them. That was a winning speech. That was a national level uh, speech. The other one I did, oh, kids should be involved in government. Again, very like, pure. You know, I mean, it's, it's people like, what are they going to say? No, kids shouldn't be involved in government. You know, I mean, it, it was not controversial. You know, it was not controversial. It was all good. Uh, and it was very like, uh, heartfelt, heartfelt, touchy feely, feel good. There you go. So that I think was a big driver as well. So those are three examples. There are some more, but those are the top ones. <laughs> mm. And what is your couple of things on speaking and we'll get back to the entrepreneurship because you've said at the start that you see yourself as an entrepreneur first and foremost but on the speaking because the speaking it is your twitter name is speaker shinjini and clearly you see speaking in all its formats as maybe the optimum or the ideal way to communicate a message what is it about speaking public speaking that you feel it fills that role so well Yeah, you know, I think for me, Shane, uh, the biggest thing is the ability to reach 
so many people, you know, in such a beautiful way, you know, for me, that was the primary driver. I mean, I'll be honest, in the beginning, I was just doing it to win awards. I mean, full disclosure, because when you get your first trophy, you're like, this is amazing. I want more trophies. So I just did that, you know, for that in school. But as it grew, and as I realized that this could actually be something a lot deeper than trophies, then that's when I'm like, this is amazing. Because, and, and by the way, this is historic, right? I mean, if you go to like, I was in Rome and, you know, the Colosseum is elevated, right? Because that's where the people used to stand and give discourses, you know? So if you look at the history of speaking, I mean, this has like been going on for ages. The only difference is they were all guys or mostly men, right? And so that for me was a huge thing as well. Because I've always, I mean, I don't know how to explain this, but I've always wanted to create history. <laughs> I don't know what good way to say that. Because for a child, it's a very deep thought. But for me, I was like, you know, if I can use all of this to put my name in the history books and, you know, uplift women and do all the things that I'm doing, you know, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. So yeah, for me, it really is just the ability to reach a wider audience. And it's funny because when the media sort of ship <laughs> came my way, I initially said no, you know, I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is not even what I wanted to do because I was trying to be a professional speaker. So at 23, 24, you know, when I was posting on Twitter, you know, all that speaker shinjini, again, very intentional, right, handle. I was trying to be a professional speaker. Like, that's what I was trying to be. And so when the media ship came, you know, I said, initially, I said, no, I was like, this is, I don't even know anything about the media. Like, this is not even... <laughs> like my backyard, you know, I have no idea where to even start. You know, I don't have any connections. I have nothing. So I'm not really convinced that this is my place, you know, but that's when my publicist at the time, she's the one who reached out, talked to me. She explained to me, she said, you know, the skills that you have are made for media, you know, image, uh, messaging, you know, sales, just betterment of humanity, you know, using your position. And she explained to me, and that's when I was like, you know what? I think she's right. You know, I think she's, and that's when I got convinced. Because in the beginning, I was like, I don't want to do this. Also, because to be honest, Shane, I had a very bad taste of media, at least in my mouth. Like it's not integrity. It's very low integrity. It's just a lot of stupid stuff. Um, and then just the whole celebrity culture never appealed to me, to be honest. You know, I was like, they're all fake. Like, why would I do this? And that's when I was like, you know what? But I don't have to do this. And that became my like mantra that I don't have to do what everybody else has done. I can create my own media and I can create my own version using the same tenets of messaging, communication, just for a very different purpose, you know? And I feel like that's what I'm doing, which I'm really happy about. Because yeah, in the beginning, I was very, I was so young, you know, so 23 was when the media ship came to me. And like, it's, you're very young. You're very impressionable still. Um, and for me, you know, having grown up in an Asian family, I'm super sheltered. So yeah, I was 23, but 20 going on 13 mm. you know you're so like you know Indian families very sheltered you know very protected fairly privileged so my parents are actually scared they're like we don't even know if you can like handle you know because I mean there's a lot of shit that goes on with being a woman in the media being a female in the media you know and I had to also grow up from like a girl I mean 22 23 year old girl you know to a woman in front of everybody and so like I think that was really hard so anyway, I, anyway, long story short, I had a lot of reservations about all of this, but that's when I was like, you know what? I think this is my chance though. I think this is my opportunity. So mm. you've spoken a few times already about your status as a woman and your status as your Indian background. 
Do you feel a sense of minority strongly? Is it a driver for you? Do you pay any attention to it? What's your thoughts? You know, in the beginning, Shane, I think I was very idealistic. I was like, no, education, merit, that's what wins. You know, and I've always banked on that, right? I've never asked for handouts. I've never asked for help because I'm a woman. Please give this to me because I'm a woman. So, you know, I'm because I'm a girl. So for me, you know, that was my modus operandi is that, you know, my merit. Merit is what wins. What I realized, though, when I first started in the media is that, you know, for a lot of people, that's a farce. You know, they have all the merit in the world, but they don't know the right people. Rather, the right people don't know them and they feel screwed. You know, they feel screwed over by the world, you know. And so that's when I realized that my ideology, while correct, like this is not anything that I'm saying is not true. It's unfortunately not how everything works. So now I take it very seriously, you know, uh, helping other women of color up, you know, helping other women of color start businesses, um, helping them reach, you know, um, a high level of scale. You know, these are things that I take very seriously now because I'm like, you know what, I don't think other people are really doing this the way that I want to do it, you know? So I think, yes, now I definitely do, especially in the media. I mean, I don't have to tell you, just look around. I mean, there's very few Indian women who are not actresses, you know, or whatever dancers, you know, I mean, who in my position, right, entrepreneur, who's also trying to do a lot of different things. So when I finally cross over into everything that I want to do, you'll see that there's really no one doing all of that. So absolutely, I feel a sense of minorityism. But at the same time, I'm very clear, Shane, that I don't see it as a you know, as a problem, you know, I think that's something that I've been very adamant about that this is not a liability, this is an asset, you know, so I'm never like ashamed (laughs) that I'm not a whatever, Caucasian, you know, like that, I'm very proud, I'm very, very proud, you know, of my culture, of my family, of my background, of everything, it's just sometimes I feel frustrated, because the world, and especially media, is not really geared For people like me, it's not really geared towards women, towards minorities, towards non-white, towards... So in a way, I just use those as opportunities for improvement and things that I'm going to fix. Yeah, I mean, I do it every day. (laughs) Yeah, no, interesting, because it reminds me of something I've heard Gary Vaynerchuk say on occasion about the world of excuses, I guess, in terms of people. He very strongly says that if you're failing, it's not because you're in a minority. It's not because you are. Um, it's not because you are black or Asian or a woman or a minority. Now he definitely he speaks things with such authority and maybe bravado or brashness that I'm sure that rubs people up the wrong way. But it's interesting to hear you speak in terms of seeing your background as an asset as opposed to anything to be overcome. Totally, totally. And you know what I love about something that he said about that basically his point is, you know, if you are failing, you suck, right? Which in a way I empathize with because that is actually how I treated my business in the past, you know, two years and and some and how I continue to treat it is that, you know, if something is not working, I can't be blaming Shane. I can't be like, well, Shane is not asking me on his podcast. I mean, that's my fault then, right? I mean, if I am not making myself palatable enough to be on your podcast, that's not your fault. It's my fault. So in a way, I do do that as well. Now, it's just, it's a fine line because I don't want to be like, a blamer that I'm blaming myself, you know, everything I'm doing is wrong, because you know, that's also a very like negative situation to be in. And you know, I, I do not encourage anyone to be in that situation. But for me, it is like that personal responsibility, you know, which I think Gary is hinting towards. Like, and you can't make 
other people at fault. You know, you are pretty much at fault. <laughs> so I love where he comes from. I think, you know what, in the beginning, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. But now I'm like, you know what? He's a good guy. I think deep down, I think everyone can tell he's a good guy. And that to me is the biggest thing. You know, if you're a good human being, I'm willing to, you know, be supportive. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the, the notion or the concept of personal responsibility is, is a tough one for a lot of people. I think like I definitely would have struggled with that at different times. I would have felt um, that I hadn't got the opportunities or that, yeah, I would have resisted. I, would, I probably didn't even resist it, but I probably wasn't enlightened enough that I, that I even figured out that personal responsibility was a thing that I could shoulder more of. Um, so yeah, like, I think it is a really, really interesting concept. I suppose the flip side of it is that there are lots of things that we have zero control over. Do you think there's a danger if we take maximum responsibility of everything that we could possibly end up being self-recriminating over things that we really don't, that really are outside of our orbit of interest? Absolutely, which is why I have a like limit. I do not do that up until a point. I really don't recommend that because I think then you go into the pit of self-pity and you know crying and you know that's it's just too much, you know. So I think there's a fine line to where you have to be very objective, you know, and say that is this truly my problem or is this somebody else's problem, right? And that's what I do all the time. So now, you know, usually when you think about it, it does become very clear to you. You know, it becomes clear to you what is your problem and what is someone else's problem, you know? So I think if I were you, if I were anyone listening, I would just do that and then, you know, go from there. But I guess where I'm coming from is I'm a creator. So if I, like in the past, you know, like at Georgia Tech, you know, God bless everybody, but no one understood what public speaking was. Zero zero people, you know, so for me trying to do this, and I had this plan, like zero people, you know, so I could have gotten very frustrated, right, and said that I'm at a sense in engineering school, actually, it's my fault, why am I here, why did I choose this, you know, but I was always thinking that when I graduate, and I'm a speaker, and I'm an engineer, now all of a sudden, I'm going to be the only one, right, so that was what was driving me, you know, not the fact that literally zero people, I have these emails, Shane, all 500 of them, to various people asking, you know, can I speak here? Can I speak there? Zero, zero, zero. Oh, oh, I have no idea what this is. And it's funny, those are the same people who watch all my stuff today, who see all my stories, who see all my this. And it's like, I wish I could tell them. And I do say this a lot, that if I had listened to any of you, I would not even be anywhere near here, you know? So I think that's kind of what I come at when I think of personal responsibility is that you have to literally create your own destiny, you know? But at the same time, I don't blame myself for everything. I'm in fact very loving. Like recently I've been like, you know what? Everything that you are today is a result of what has happened. So I actually don't want to change anything. I have no desire to change anything because I'm like, if I change one thing, then I wouldn't be this person, you know? Mm. So... That's excellent. So I want to get a little more into your entrepreneurship and the media. Right. Um, but before I do, in, in terms of speaking, do you have a speaking process or what is your speaking process when it comes to delivering a talk from a stage that will that can change lives? You know, it's funny because my background, Shane, in competitive public speaking, there were never audiences. So it was always, literally, it was me and a judge. It was me and two judges, right? So, and this was for years, right? And only in college, I got my first taste of a baby audience of like 10 people, you know, five people. And then my commencement speech, of course, that was 10,000 people. 
But basically before starting in the media, I honest to God had no real experience public speaking, you know, to people. So <laughs> meaning I had to learn really quickly, you know, what my, again, modus operandi was, what my method was, what I'm going to do, what my style. I mean, I didn't know anything because as we know, you know, giving a speech to a judge and giving a speech to, you know, 20, 30, 40 are very, very different. Very, very different, you know? So I had to really, again, create my flow and create my process. So a couple of things that I do now, I would say, is, you know, audience size doesn't matter to me. I think what I'm actually really good at and what I'm a master at is scaled one-to-one personal connection. So even if there are 10,000 people in the room, you will still feel like I am connecting deeply and beautifully and impactfully with each and every one of you. That is one of my personal gifts. I cannot take responsibility. That is actually just who I am. So I think that's exciting. So I don't work so much on like, let me focus on this person. Let me feel like I, it's like all of you are one to me which is great. And so, yeah, so that's something that I'm very cautious about doing. Just very relatable. I think that is one of my key tenets now is relatability because too many speakers, at least from what I've seen, the top, top speakers, it's just sometimes very difficult to understand what the heck they're saying, you know, because maybe it's jargon. Maybe they are trying to be very intellectual. I'm not sure what the problem is, but at least just, I, I sometimes have a hard time, like just figuring out what they're saying. And I told myself, like, I don't want to be that person, you know, because one of my key metrics of success is scale, you know? So how far is the message spreading? You know, if it's just two people, can I do better? You know, can I do 20? Can I do 200? Can I do 20,000? Can I do 2 million? So for me, relatability is huge, which is why I actually, you know, it's kind of settled on this name of go-getter. Because everybody is a go-getter. So I think for me, relatability is very important. And also just actionable advice. So everything that you see from me, that you hear from me, even on Twitter, um, Shane, is actionable, right? So I'll say RT, you know, retweet to be resilient, you know, retweet to be kind. I think I did that the other day. Retweet to uh, move on, you know, and get closure, you know. So I'm a very action person. You know, if you meet me, if you see my speeches, very, very powerful. You know, my hands are in the air. I'm looking like a prime minister because that's who I am, you know, so I'm not a passive person. So I think that that is a big driver as well in everything that I do, which by the way is very different because if you go to most talks, uh, they don't really end with any call to action or they do, but it's like super random, like go read a book. And it's like, what? Like, you know, so my call to actions are very specific, are very doable, right? Like people have come back to me and said that I did this that I wrote about how I was a go-getter every day, you know, that I kept a journal, you know, that I meditated every day or whatever that I've you know, said in the past, like people are actually doing this stuff, you know, and that for me is a big uh, win. So those are some points. Of course, I have a lot. So now humor is my latest one, just being funny. Everybody likes that, you know, because it's, it's a long ass time on stage to be serious, you know, so I'm very like funny now on stage and just positive. I think if I were to sum up my style, again, uplifting, empowering, happy energy, like that is really my buzzword. <laughs> Amazing. And how much preparation do you do for a typical talk? Is it something that you are naturally skillful and that, that skill is honed that you can go up there and deliver a, a powerful talk without huge preparation? Or do you put in a lot of preparation for every talk that you're delivering? 
Yeah, you know, I do prepare a lot. That's just my style. And I will say this. So this is a very exciting thing for you. So I'm speaking at the Dublin Tech Summit, uh, which I don't know if you know what it is, but it is in Dublin, Ireland. Mm-hmm. It's in April. And um, yes, that's exciting. Can, I can send you more details. I don't know the ticketing situation for that. I think tickets are separate. But like something like that, you know, that's on digital entrepreneurship in emerging economies. I'll be honest, you know, obviously that is way more research intensive, right, than something like, uh, you know, five secrets of a go-getter, which is like my story in my life and, you know, the article that I wrote. So I think basically how I think about it, Shane, is speeches that are not literally, quote unquote, my story. Like I do have to study and research. And, you know, I mean, it's it, this is not something I think about in my, you know, free times, you know, the situation in Congo for women in algebra. I mean, yes, I'm thinking about it, but I don't know the statistics off the top of my mind, you know, off the mm. top of my head, right? So these are things, or, or case studies or stories, you know, so these are examples where I really have to study and prepare. So in terms of time frame, no more than two weeks, Shane, I would say altogether, you know, I think 14 days, like door to door, you know, start to finish, I think is a very solid time for me. I'll be honest, recent speeches that have been more storytelling based, more my story. I mean, I've done literally don't judge. It was, you know, time crunch, 24 hours. 48 hours, you know, that's like my story, though, again, very different from the, you know, digital entrepreneurship situation in Congo, right? Very different. Mm. But yeah, 24 to 48 hours. And that has been a test for me last year, because I had not just so many speeches, but so many just things, you know, because I have and I, it's honestly, to this day, I'm like, why did I think this was going to be easy? Uh, it's not but starting a company. And basically, my brand and company are taking off at the same time. Like that's incredibly painful to manage, you know, because there are two separate like companies there, basically. So I, again, I don't know why I thought like, oh, this is great. This makes complete sense. And by the way, it does make complete sense because the brand is fueling the business, but it's a lot of work. So the speaking, the this, the influencer, and then actually my, you know, small business partnerships. I mean, so it's, it's crazy. So what I'm saying is I don't always have time to devote the two weeks and one week and all that. So last year I did some, 24 hours, which was crazy, <laughs> like sleeping yeah. at 3 a.m., you know, because of the flight and all that, right? So Yeah, of course. And I know from, from attending different events and hearing different speakers uh, at different times, there is, I won't say always, but there's often a, a kind of pattern that you might recognize in terms of a keynote speech. It might be refined for depending on the audience, but that you can imagine that it's very, very, very similar to the speech that, that was delivered last week and last month and last year by the same speaker. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, the speaker, in terms of the format of the talk, is often um, challenge overcome uh, in terms of here was, if it was a personal story, here is, even if it's a business story, it's all often often in, in order to the format that works seems to be this is where I was or this is where we were here's the challenges we had to overcome that the, all the listeners in the audience can relate at some level to the different challenges or be inspired by those challenges that were overcome by the person speaking in front of them yes is that something that makes sense to you or is do you do things differently I get the sense from speaking to you that you're delivering very different talks and messages and powerful messages to completely different audiences all over the world 
Yes, you have to come. At some point, you have to come. And by the way, we are building up my like com video content, so I will be uploading more things, um, which is, yeah, because none of you have like seen me in action. I am very different, actually, from really any speaker that I've seen, which in the beginning, I was scared. I was like, this is crazy. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm, but I'm like, no, I think this is just my style. Uh, very relatable, very energetic. I'm a big fan of sequential things, right? So like five secrets of a go-getter works really well. Um, people are able to grasp that you know I noticed that people walked out of the auditorium walked out of the theater remembering the secrets right so I'm a big fan of that because I'm trying to think that are you actually going to remember what I said you know having said that absolutely you know stories about challenges whatever is great you know if I were that person I would focus on one primary challenge right not five not ten because that's a lot of challenges to remember walking out of the room right but yes I do that you know I've definitely woven that in to my you know, talks, but it usually is like around some framework. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm a big fan of frameworks. So whether it's the five secrets or the three principles or like, you know, people love that, you know, and as I'm sort of building this go-getter identity, I'm already thinking about what other variations we could do. So like with the digital entrepreneurship, you know, are there three ways to build digital businesses like a go-getter? Now, all of a sudden, first of all, that content is completely mine, right? I completely own all rights, all, you know, IP on that content. And then number two, it's like exciting. You know, I think something that I've realized with a lot of speakers I've seen is sometimes it's not really exciting. It's, it's just a speech, you know, it's just a speech. So I think for me, you know, from day one, I was like, this is a show. Like when I speak, at least it's a show, you know, it's exciting, it's fun, it's this. And then in the future, when I involve, you know, dance and poetry and all the other things that I do, then it's really going to be a show, you know? Um, so that's kind of where I'm going with it. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the speeches that I've heard at some of these big conferences. But I will say my only complaint, Shane, is a lot of them say the same stuff. And if you hear them twice, you're like, I've already heard this. Whereas I feel like with me, every time that you hear me, it is something different, which by the way, is very difficult to do. Yeah, I can imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, innovative, you know, to be that innovative. But my thing is like, if you're like paying to be here, like I have to also respect that right and, and not give you the same shit as last time right like and that's how I look at it you know so I'm very like happy to create something new you know because I mean I'm not of course not brand new because now I have a brand I have you know people know me for something so I, I can't be like today we're talking about McDonald's like you know it's, it's just completely random you know but it has to be aligned but at the same time like let's create like subplots you know like in a movie let's create subplots you know not a full new plot but some like switches, you know? So I, I do that all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Final question on speaking. Uh, we might come back to it in a second, but yes. final question for now. Uh, do you believe that everybody can speak at a high level? I really do, Shane, because, you know, my journey, and look, I mean, again, I'm, I'm very grateful. I think I have a great voice. I think my natural talents are great and work well. And, you know, some people may have that, some people may not. But I will say that I have really put in an insane amount of work. I mean, you count the years. I mean, I've actually been doing this for now, you know, since 14, 15 years old, you know, so 12, 13 years, that's a long time consistently to do something. So I look at my story, Shane, and I started literally, honest to God, in a classroom, in a classroom with five people or 10 people. And now like, where I, I mean, it's, it's a far, far cry from where I was, you know, so I'm looking at my journey going that, you know, I actually practiced at each level 
Because I, I mean, I'm not stupid enough to be like, yeah, well, a classroom is the same as, you know, a winning a competition, which is the same as being on TV. Like, it's not the same, right? So at each level, I've had to up my game, right? As you can imagine, right? When a tennis player goes from the local tournaments to Wimbledon, I mean, these are not the same, right? So they have to compete at different levels, right? At each level, right? So for me, I mean, I'm personally a testament of that. So I 100% believe. Now, in terms of like voice coaching and all, I would highly recommend, you know, if you feel like you have a very high-pitched voice, you know, a lot of uh, women, especially Shane, write to me saying that they feel like their voice is just ultra high-pitched or ultra this, and it doesn't sound, you know, like uh, serious or whatever. And, you know, for that, I would say 100% get coaching. Anything is fixable. I mean, if you practice your dialect, you know, often enough, you absolutely can change how you sound. Uh, one of my personal problems, I'll tell you when I first started, because, you know, I came to America when I was nine and a half. So my foundations are Asian. So British school in Malaysia, English school in India. So my accent was actually like British and Indian when I came to the States, which again is fine. You know, I, you know it's not a problem, but being palatable to an American audience means you have to sound American, right? Or even try to sound American, you know? So actually for me, I have worked a little bit on building an American accent because if you see my previous stuff, it was very like neutral accent. Whereas now, like I sound completely American, which is on purpose, you know, because again, if I'm trying to make myself not even palatable, but present myself as a homegrown product, I have to sound like people here, you know, so that, so anyway, so that, that's like a small case study of like some stuff that I've done, but absolutely, absolutely. I a hundred percent believe that. And do you feel like the fact that you have worked hard to make your accent and voice palatable and more natural, I guess, to an American audience, do you ever have any kind of internal conversations with yourself about the authenticity of that? Or is that something you're completely and and, and fully comfortable with? Yeah, it's a great question. You know what? Honestly, Shane, in the beginning, absolutely. Because a big part of my story that I write about in the book, which you have to get when it comes out on Amazon, Memoir at 26, my story, um, unapologetically Shinjini, is that I didn't feel like I belonged in America for the longest time, for the longest time. I mean, honestly, probably up until a few years ago, you know, because everything from the culture to the sports, it's a very, um, in, in some ways, exclusive society, right? Where it's like, this is our world, this is America. You know, I mean, you, you know, right? It's like either you're in or you're out you know that's like the culture so for me I was like I really don't know if I belong here you know I'm different I'm not even like Indian and this and that I mean there's obviously a lot of Indians now but just culturally I never felt a fit ever ever like ever growing up I I mean Hollywood I didn't even look at that my you know palette was Bollywood it was Indian so just everything I didn't identify with anything movies television music I was like what is this I don't understand they're only singing about sex like it's just everything I didn't understand and so for me you know, when all of this happened, this is like a, in some ways, like an FU, right? To the haters, to the, you know, to be like, no, like if there's anyone who belongs, it's me. And I'm like the poster child for the future of America, right? Which is multicultural and female and, you know, all this stuff. So like, I think now I'm like very proud of it. So now I actually like own it very, very boldly. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, I am. I am American. Yeah. But I think before I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, interesting no. really interesting yeah. um yeah. one of your more recent um instagram posts you talked about that you're basically very shy and super introverted it i have to say it, it doesn't come across when you're talking that that you seem that you're introverted at any level was that something that you 
had to work hard to overcome? Did you see that as an obstacle? What, what are your thoughts on, on kind of introversion, extroversion? Yeah, you know, it's funny, me too, because you're saying that. Of course, everyone says that. Everyone says that. Everyone I know says that. No, you're an extrovert. You're an extrovert of the deepest order of magnitude, right? And I was like, no, I get it. You know, I, I actually, I thought the same thing too, uh, to be honest, Shane, except when I first started in the media, you know, there's a lot you have to do, right? Interviews, whatever, meeting people, all this stuff. I used to find that, you know, after every, like this interview, after every meeting in person, I would feel extremely exhausted, extremely tired, like literally exhausted, like, like drained. You know, and I was like, oh, it's fine, whatever, like just one time. And this kept happening, kept happening. And that's when I did some research. And and I guess I'm a a big, actually, I'm a big personality junkie. So I did some research and, uh, you know, I I was like introvert, extrovert. And I saw the description of an introvert. And that's when I was like, holy shit, like this is me. And I don't know why I have tried to hide it for so long. And, and literally it said there's like introverts and ambiverts. I mean, of course, everybody's both, right? So I'm also both, but I'm actually more introverted. And, you know, people in the, the description, it says that it literally word for word, it says introverts feel exhausted after extended periods of interaction. And I was like, oh my God, like it really felt like a missing piece of my life had been solved. You know, because, uh, and I was like, that's why after everything, and I like it. I love being on stage. I love, like, I'm, I'm not against any of that. And yes, the shy thing I've had to work on like big time, you know, just how to be comfortable with people, how to be confident. And really the root of all of that was being comfortable and confident in myself. You know, and that's when I was like, I can do anything. I know myself. I know who I am. Now I'm <laughs> invincible. So I didn't really focus on other people as much as I focused on myself for that. But with the speaking and all of that, you know, it was like work. So I wasn't like, oh, I'm shy to speak. Like that was never a thing. I was like, no, I have to like do this and it's work. And, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm an introvert. Um, and, and I asked my family and they're like, we don't even know why you would even like think that you're an extrovert. So I mean, yeah, they, I mean, yeah, they know me the best. And they're like, you're super shy and introverted and you have a very close group of friends. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. And then I just took stock of my life and I was like, absolutely, they're right. So now I'm very outspoken about this because everybody misunderstands um, because and not just me, anybody who's like happy and, you know, like energetic, they're like, oh, they're an extrovert. And that's why I'm like, not always, you know, and hopefully you can see me and gain better awareness of that. So Indeed. it's not a disadvantage. It's a major superpower chain because I'm like a very internal person. So I think a lot, I reflect a lot. So like, it's super powerful. Like for me, it is actually a game changer. Do you see it as something that is a huge asset, but something that still has to be overcome in certain circumstances to allow you to deliver the work and the message that you need to deliver? Yes, that's exactly true. That's exactly true. It is a huge asset because I'm thinking a lot and I'm developing a lot and I'm, I'm a creator, right? So I'm creating a lot in my head when I'm not talking to people, right? But the disadvantage is sometimes, and you know, I'm you know, 27 going on, you know, 47. I'm like, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to go out. I don't want to do this. I just want to be in my room. And that's when I have to be like, no, I have to like meet people, <laughs> you know, like, you know, for work and, you know, personal and, you know, everything. Like I, I can't just be like alone all the time. Cause I'm, I'm a big, like alone time junkie. And I love just, you know, sitting in my bed and like, that's my favorite time, you know, to watch anything, movies, documentaries, like just being by myself and reflecting is huge for me. But I always have to remind myself that I can't like always do this because then I have to be with people. 
and sometimes it's a real struggle because I'm like, okay, come on. So I have like, now I've created like sides, right? One is like a public facing side. One is like the real me, you know, unadulterated me. And so I'm like, I strike a balance between those two because yeah, either is not good forever, right? If you're always like hanging out with people, you know, you're never, you never have alone time. If you're always alone, then, you know, you lose touch with humanity. So I think there's, you know, fine balance, but I am a lot better about that now. Do you schedule in, you spoke about how comfortable you're alone or with quiet time. Do you schedule it in? Do you make stillness and calmness a regular part of your day or week or month? You know, I think it's so natural for me. It's so natural. And I, by the way, not stillness. I, I'm not a still person as much as I am just a reflective person. I'm always doing something. I'm always doing something. Like literally the other day, I was like, I don't know, organizing my earring or something. And I poked myself in the palm and I started like big time bleeding. So I'm always doing something. And it's very sometimes bad because you have to do nothing after, you know, for some time. But like thinking is a big thing for me. You know, looking out the window, reflecting, just thinking, you know, uh, I'm a big thinker. I'm going to think, I don't know if people know that. I don't know if people know that, but I'm like a very, you know, deep, you know, thinker. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, cause I, I look very, you know, like, uh, just, you know, like, you know, energetic, fun, like, you know, beautiful, but I'm, I'm like a very deep person. I, I hope that comes across, but if it doesn't, then now you know, you know. <laughs> well, like, I do definitely get the sense that you think deeply about stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that definitely comes across. I want to touch on your work. So tell us about, about Das Media Group. Tell us about what you do. What you, you mentioned earlier on about the like two of the things that you are interested in doing or two of the things you want to do are, are to create history, number one, and to do things for the betterment of humanity. So how are they fitting into your kind of day-to-day, you're building the media company, this media group right. that you're building? What yeah. does that look like? Yeah, so basically, you know, I think it has really evolved into something very actionable now. I think basically before the mission was how do we create empowering media content that actually is positive and that is helpful and that is motivational. Seriously, the proposition to this day, Shane, is very simple. Because one thing that I've learned and that I knew coming into this is that my value prop has to be extremely simple. You know, because I I can't be like, I want to change the world with media. It's just too complicated. You know, no one even knows what that means. Right. So again, positive, inspirational, uplifting media content and media experiences, which, by the way, are live events. Right. Which are billboards. Right. Which are food trucks or whatever. Right. I mean, any form of messaging is media, right? So the formats are multiple, right? I mean, you can do radio, you can do TV, you can do digital, you can do social. I mean, the opportunities are limitless, right? In terms of your uh, mediums. But in terms of my product, right? As a company, the product is empowering media content that uplifts, motivates, inspires you to be a go-getter right? To live like a go-getter, right? To make the first move, right? So now all of a sudden, it's not just a way of life. There's a mantra attached to it, right? There's a community, right? Like for you, the summit of greatness, I mean, it's a community, right? So I think that's a very special thing. Um, So that's the ethos. To this day, that's our ethos, right? In terms of actionable, whatever, services, offerings, I think that's something that I honestly struggled with. Because <laughs> I'm like, what are we selling? What, mm. what are we selling? Like, let's really get to the heart of that. And 
Finally, let's talk about like my core priorities. I would say Q1, but really this year, I would say um, small business media partnerships. So basically that's very similar to what, you know, some of these big players are doing in the industry. But really where I'm coming from, Shane, is a lot of small business owners have no idea how to leverage the media uh, for sales, for attention, for their benefit, you know, for all these different things. And I thought, you know, there's no one better suited to essentially coach, right? Coach small business owners than me, right? About how to build a brand, about how to get traction, about how to get your website hits, about how to get clicks and all of that as a go-getter, right? So with this empowering value-driven content, not please buy my stuff, please, please, I'm selling, like that's desperate, right? So there's a way to be high value. There's a way to attract your audience to you. And those are some of the things that I teach. So that whole line of offering is for small business owners. So we call that kind of, I mean, internally, we call that like small business coaching, but externally, it's essentially small business. What do I call it? Small business, six month, three month, one month. It's like brand new look, jump side gig to full time. So a lot of my side hustlers trying to get full time, a lot of just branding, you know, they're like, I'm struggling with this one thing in branding. So we have like four different like names for the different programs, but essentially it is like small business media strategy. So that is one of our big offerings right now, which I'm trying to expand big time this year into like, hopefully a six figure uh, line. Because again, I I 100% think that there's, first of all, unlimited demand for this, number one. Number two, there's a lot of small business owners who are making a lot of money. And the whole like, because my concern was like, if I charge, you know, $10,000, $20,000, is this unattainable for small business owners? And the answer is no, because some of them are making absurd amounts of money and they can spend this. It's just a matter of aligning their needs and, you know, them figuring out that this is something they want to invest in. So some of the challenges we've had, because, you know, obviously that's important to discuss, is uh, budget misalignment. So a lot of people are like, oh, you charge? What? This is a business? What? Like that was all early days, a lot of last year, which was very frustrating. Then we had a lot of like, oh, our plans changed or, you know, I want X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no, we give ABC. This is not working by, you know? So I think we've had a lot of that. Um, And then also just payment struggles, you know? I mean, some payments have been late. They're like, oh, we've sent the check to the wrong person and this. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like get your act together. Um, So I think before I had some issues with like boundary setting, you know, just like, oh, you know, I'm a a nice person you know, I'm going to wait. But now it's like, I'm very, very clear. So either it's in by this day or we're out, you know, and I'm at the point where it's like, you know, if I do one hour of a session and, you know, you don't pay, it's like, you know, me giving you an hour of my time in the bigger picture is not much. Right. So, I mean, if I have to cancel and walk away and not be paid for an hour in the bigger picture, I just, I don't want to do that. Right. Obviously that is a loss for me, but you know, to maintain a certain level of rigor, if that is what I have to do, that is what I will do. You know, because in the bigger picture, you know, 2000, 3000, hopefully will not be much for me in the long term. So, yeah, so those are some challenges that we've had, um, to be honest. But yes, I'm very excited about expanding this out because I really feel like we are so uniquely differentiated in what I'm doing, as well as, again, unlimited demand. And if I can just align the price points, I feel like we'll really be fine. So that's our first um, big offering. The second is like go get our personal brand coaching. So this is like Shane, like you coming to me and being like, Hey, I want to be a go getter. I have no idea how, and then I'll sit with you, make a plan, make a thing. So that's like essentially private coaching, essentially private personal coaching, because I've been very wary of doing like group coaching. Cause again, I'm such a 
like involved person that like to me, group coaching is not going to cut it, you know, because you have very different needs than 10 other people. Right. So if I put 11 of you in a room together, even on zoom, right. Like to me, that's very like frustrating, like how I'm going to actually provide value to all 11 of you at the same time, because all of you are different. All of you need different things. And I can't just be like, yes, go be a go-getter, have fun. You know, like that's, it's not going to work. So I'm personally, and by the way, I've been very encouraged to do group coaching. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe at some point I'll change my mind. But for right now, private coaching, you know, um, which again, much higher price points. So they do start at five figures. So I'm locking in my first one this year. So again, that's like a baby stream. So it's still growing. So I am again, but I'm very excited about that. And I think that there is a demand, you know, for people who have the money, who have the time, you know, to do that. So that's, yeah, that's my second. Um, any questions about the first two? No, I, I follow on questions about your experience yourself with, with coaching or mentors, because yeah. this is clearly something that you're offering to your audience, to your customers. Yeah. Have you had an experience of being the coach or the mentee? And how has that gone? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we've done a lot of work. I mean, I have done a lot of work. I think really this year, Shane, my goal for the company is just volume and consistency. Because when we first started out, I mean, seriously, I'm looking at our like, you know, achievements and I'm like, this is great. Like it really is. I mean, we've helped, you know, people start their own businesses. You know, we've helped people go from a blog to a business. I mean, truly, really astounding accomplishments, you know, that we've been a part of, obviously it's their accomplishment, you know, me personally speaking at like Chase and this and partnering with Intuit on social partnerships. So we've really done a lot. I mean, I have really done a lot in two years, but I think the problem is consistency, meaning that it, you know, as a business, it has to be consistent revenue, right? Not periodic, not, you know, once every three months, but yeah, once every three months is $20,000. That's great, but it's still not preferable, at least for me, you know, cause I'm, I, I want consistent revenue. Um, and then number two is volume, you know, so we're, you know, what worked with what 10 clients, 15, I mean, I want a hundred, I want 200, right. At certain price points. However, the alternative is we do 10 clients, but at a much higher price point, right. Because we want to max out the value there, you know? So I think that's kind of where I'm coming from, but yes, absolutely. I've coached. Absolutely. I've uh, mentored again. I truly believe that is a natural skill that I have. I do not have any certifications. I do not plan on getting any certifications because I think a big part of my appeal is that I'm real, you know, is that I'm not a designated coach, you know, so they feel like much more comfortable with me and they feel trusted by me and with me and safe. And like, it's, it's really a beautiful thing. It's really a beautiful thing to see. So, because I think this was also a big step for me, Shin, because I'm, again, I'm like, I'm not a coach. But just everybody that I've ever talked to informally in my life, like they literally, even to this investor, made like, hey, when are you going to become a life coach? And I was like, you know what? Maybe this, maybe I should. So that's when I've like made it a part of the company, you know? Um, and then of course, a long-term plan is to hire, you know, coaches who can replicate my methodology. Yes, so. indeed. And do you have, have you hired coaches yourself? Like as in your formative year over the last five, 10 years, have you been coached? Have you had mentors? How, what role has teaching or coaching played in your own development? Yes. I'm in some ways a very like difficult uh, person <laughs> Shade, because I'm like, I don't know. I'm like so independent that I'm like, I can just do this myself, you know, not to be rude, but I tried to get, you know, mentors on this and that. It's just a lot of things didn't work out, you know, at Georgia Tech, the one mentor that I was assigned to, no joke, within the third time meeting, I was telling her things, 
you know, like I was instructing her how to do things. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. I have the greatest respect for, you know, people older than me and people who have more experience. It's just in my life, it didn't really work out. You know, I only have probably had like two or three people who have consistently coached and or helped and or like truly given me valuable you know, criticism or whatever, feedback or whatever, you know, because my thing is, I'm also not looking for random hate that, you know, I hate how you're so whatever. like, I don't care, you know, that's not helpful to me. You know, what's helpful is me improving my skill set. And I think I will say, I will say now, I am getting in touch with a lot more people who are like, at my level, to be honest, I'm not trying to be rude. But before all of this, I was always at a much higher level than everybody around me. And if they're trying to mentor me, like, how's that going to work? You know, because literally like the people I went to and asked for like speaking, like not speaking, not even at Georgia Tech. I was like, how do you speak? How do you do this? None of them even came close to being commencement speaker. And I was the commencement speaker. So at every point I sort of out accomplished my mentees or whatever mentors or whatever. Right. And my thing is like, if I'm getting mentored by you, I have to look up to you. And if I've done more than you, then why would I, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just kind of an awkward situation. So maybe I'm different that way, but I definitely would say now I have a lot of people uh, who I do trust and look up to. And it's partially because I've made myself available, you know, to be in contact with them, right? So like the other day, I reached out to somebody and he's like a Stanford undergrad, Stanford MBA, media guy. And I'm like, wow, you're perfect. You know, this is perfect. So yes, I talked to him for like two hours and I was like, I found a mentor. I'm adopting you as my mentor. And he's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, let's talk. So yeah, I think he is like a great one. But there haven't been a whole lot, to be honest, because I've sort of, I mean, not to be rude. I'm a very respectful person, but I've sort of outdone them. Like what advice? I don't know. Like, and they, they just feel awkward talking to me. They're like, yeah, like, good luck with your sales. And I'm like, dude, I'll figure it out, you know? So I think there's been, like, a lot of just, like, I'm my own mentor, guys, <laughs> you know? But no, I mean, there, by the way, there's something to be said about learning on your own, you know? Because, by the way, the biggest feedback I get from my people on Twitter and stuff, Shane, is that they don't have mentors, that they've had to figure it out by themselves. And I think there's something beautiful about that. So I don't want to glorify mentorship and help and coaches, because the reality is most people don't have access to them. So, yeah, no, it's interesting because there is a pattern of the coach, the coach coached relationship or the coach client relationship. Right. Um, and I've heard a lot of people speak about the power of mentors. Um, but yeah, like I've had myself, I've had different people help me at different times in a strange way. Until this point, the people who have helped me the most are the people that I've paid no money to or paid them. Right. right. You know, so yeah, I think, I think it's an interesting dynamic that needs to be very, very carefully tread, I suppose. Yes, that, and I mean, dude, if you look at it that way, every day I ask people, you know, for advice. So it's just, I don't think I look at them as my mentor, right? Because we're, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm helping them, they're helping me. Like it's a very symbiotic relationship. Because one thing I'm very particular about now, Shane, is it has to be a two-way street. So I cannot be like asking them for, you know, a million things and like giving nothing in return, you know? So that's, I'm, I'm very particular. Like, you know, they, they're busy, you know, they, they don't have time. You know? so, so I like try to help them as well. And so, yeah, like I, but yeah, to me, I don't look at it as these are my mentors. These are just people now I like talk to, you know, for different things in the media, whether that's, uh, you know, I don't know, publicity or whatever. I have my people. 
uh, in each sort of corner. So I think that's very helpful. No, absolutely. I don't believe that somebody can get there, you know, by themselves, you know, because it's not possible, right? I mean, we have to have a lot of, you know, people and networks and support and connections and, you know, it's not possible to get there on your own. But yeah, I think the relationships are probably a lot more informal now. Yes, I'm glad to hear you say that because for a minute I was thinking that you're a super, that you are absolutely a superhero and that you are you are able to do it on your own. So I'm glad. But I am. <laughs> I am. Anybody will tell you that, Shane. Anybody will tell you. I totally am, and it's just my thing is I'm a very results driven person. So you know, when the first few like mentors or whatever didn't work out, I was like, this is crazy. Like I don't have time, you know, for you to like figure out what to say to me and this and that. So I'm just gonna do it myself. So that is the approach. I'll be honest very honest, that is the approach I adopted for years until I actually started in the media. And I was like, this is crazy. Like building a million dollar, billion dollar business, which is what I want to do. This is not a joke. And literally I had to have a conversation with myself and literally coach myself and say that you can no longer just trust yourself. I mean, you can absolutely like that is the number one thing I do every day, but I absolutely get feedback and opinions and, you know, from my trusted folks. Whether you call it advisors or help or absolutely, I think me now, absolutely. Me before, I was like, I don't need anyone. It's fine. But yeah, me now, I'm like, absolutely. Like it's because it's a very tricky terrain, you know, just things like this, you know, payment terms and whatever. Because I mean, people, you know, this, I mean, people get duped every day in business, you know, in media, in all this stuff, you know. So I don't want to be like taken advantage of, you know. So that's why I, I always, yeah, consult with people yeah. but yeah but that, that's now this is a new thing this is a new thing uh yeah. i'm pretty headstrong it's a little obnoxious at times but <laughs> <laughs> well I let, I let you i let you say that i won't say that um, <laughs> the, i want to be respectful of your time and but i wanted to ask you a question about social media because you are the essence of somebody who has grown up effectively all your adult life has been with social media as a central right. part of this um i'm a little bit older than you so i can remember a time where we where we didn't have smartphones never mind um never mind social media and i was lived in a very analog and untechnological world for the first half of my life um right. what is the like i've thought about this a lot and i've thought about the incredible downsides and the incredible upsides of social media um that it's often the best and worst of everything what are your own thoughts is social media, is Twitter, is Instagram, do you use them differently, different platforms differently? And also, do you see it as an absolutely essential arm of what you do? Or is it something that just helps promote what you do? If you understand. Totally. And I will start this conversation, a bit of the conversation saying with the honest to God truth of if I didn't have to be on social media, I would not be on social media. I will say that because even if you knew me before any of this started, I was still posting my business stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm speaking here. I'm speaking there. Like there's lately I've been doing a lot of like uh, vulnerable posts or whatever, but I am not some, honestly, Shane, I am not someone who needs validation for who I am. You know, I, I really am not. And by the way, I joined Facebook as one of the last people in my uh, year, in my grade. I was uh, 17. 
when I joined Facebook, whereas I think I've had friends, you know, 14, 15, so very young, very, very young. But I, I told, even then I told them, I said, you know, I don't need this. Why would I need this? You know, I don't need this. Because again, you know, whether or not you look at it positively or negatively, I've always been my own savior. You know, I've grown up as an only child. My sister uh, came into the world when I was almost 13. So I've had to fight my own battles. I've had to be my own best friend. I've had to, because as an introvert, you don't have that many friends. I mean, I mean, you know this. Right. I mean, it's you are your own person, you know. So for me, I am inherently not someone who needs to be on social media, you know, because there are people, right? The wedding, the baby shower, like everything is on social media. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I might do that because of my situation now, but that is not what I would do if I were not in any of this. Does that make sense? So, yeah, so what I'm saying is if social media were not the underpinning of my business, I would not be on social media. That is what I'm saying. So, yeah, so that is what I'm saying. Because I think personally think that if you are not using it the way it needs to be used, it is a distraction. It is a time suck. It is also just, frankly, unnecessary information every day, right? Like who died? Who did this? Who, I mean, it does it impact your particular life, you know, and, and sometimes the answer is no. And, you know, in some situations, I do believe that, you know, staying in your own lane is not a bad idea, you know, so and that I will preface it by that. Having said that, because it is my not even business, it is my underpinning, it is everything for me. Obviously, I have to live on social media. So that is my uh, thing. And by the way, I mean, if you know me personally, Shane, I am a very in-person person, you know, more than digital. I am a very in-person person. I'm warm. I'm, you know, heartfelt. I'm a really great friend. You know, I'm, I'm an in-person human being. So for me, getting that side of me across on social media, honestly, was a challenge. But I knew that if I have to stick around in this world and in this world, media and all this, then I have to build the highest order of magnitude of social media presence because I don't have any connections. I don't have, you know, a dad who's at CNN, right? Like, so what are my options, right? To get ahead and to get noticed, it is to build myself on social media, you know? So that's how I looked at it. It was a very objective decision, you know, but absolutely there are times when I'm like, this is crazy. But at the same time, everything, dude, I mean, my email list, my book sales, my, you know, the tour. So I just launched Atlanta tour. Everything is happening, not even social media. It's happening from Twitter, you know? So I also cannot be delusional and be like, no, I don't need it. You know? And I will say, I mean, people are so sweet, you know, at least the people who, who follow me and, you know, they're, they want to connect, they want to just learn. And I'm, you know, I actually, and I'll tell everybody this at the tours, honestly, you are all greater people than me in some ways, because if I didn't have to do this, I wouldn't be on social media, but it sounds like a lot of you are on social media just to be helped and to help. And you know what I mean? So like, does that make sense? I think for me, if it weren't my business, I wouldn't be here. But for you all, some of you, it's not your business and you're still here. And I think that's a very beautiful testament to the kind of human beings you are. And also, I mean, maybe you, you thrive off of connection, you know, you thrive off of just knowing what, what's going on and all. I'm a very like, actually private person. And, you know, I don't need a whole lot of people in my life. I really don't. I think some people are sometimes surprised by how bare bones I am. You know, it's like me in my room. I'm very happy. I don't need anyone. So I think that sometimes it's very overwhelming for me is what I'm saying. But I have to be on it because that's my way, you know, to get my TV show and my whatever and my whatever that I'm going to, you know, want and I want to get. This is my way. 
you know, because now the producers and everybody who's green lighting stuff, even if it's my own content, you know, if we sell the Netflix or whatever, they're going to look at my numbers, you know, and I have to not be delusional in knowing that, you know, so I don't want them to see two followers. So that's why I've built what I've built. But if I didn't have to, I would be out in a heartbeat like heartbeat, <laughs> you know, um, but hey, whatever. God's plan, God's plan. <laughs> and do you formally switch off? Do you give yourself time to switch off and recharge or are you always on? Dude, I'm a very always on person. It's again, kind of painful, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You know, I, I firmly believe anything is workable. I firmly believe that you can work on anything and you know, you can get better at anything. So I'm using that same approach to this that, you know, let's consciously unplug, let's, you know, go to a restaurant or whatever, whatever it is, you know, again, cause I'm, I'm a simple person, you know, I don't need to go to a, a resort to feel relaxed. Like I, I really, I'm not, I mean, I like that stuff. You know, I think everyone likes that, but I'm not like, I need that, you know? So I'm again, very simple person. So I'm just like, what, like, like, please leave the room. Absolutely. Now I, I literally tell my mom, like, please leave the room, go somewhere else, you know, go to the mall, go somewhere, you know, cause also just observing people is very helpful to me. Cause I'm also like a, you know, I'm seeing what people are buying. I'm seeing, you know, retail patterns, trends. It's very, very insightful for me. So I actually always have to drag myself out of the room. I'm like, stop being behind the computer, please live. And you will be more successful at connecting with people because people relate to people who also live, you know, it's not just like who work. Right. So I think I'm, I'm really trying to do that now. So yeah, more hobbies, more things. It's a work in progress. <laughs> indeed. indeed. Um, final question. I think it's brought us here very nicely over the last couple of minutes, what you spoke about there in terms of how you switch off or that process. Um, what is happiness to you? Do you think about happiness? What is your definition of your own happiness? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I saw a quote the other day that basically said happiness and success is going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm, you know, and uh, I thought that was a very beautiful definition because that actually is how I define it, is how I actually both how I define happiness and success is that where I am right now, right, literally as I'm sitting in my room, <laughs> my little room, me, me, myself and I, like, am I happy? And you know what? The answer is yes. Because there was a time not too long ago when I was super not happy at with, you know, the job, like nothing was working out, nothing was working out, you know, personal life was confused about who my friends were, you know, everything, everything was a mess. And so I've been there. I've been there where I didn't want to wake up, you know, every day. I didn't want to go to, you know, work. I didn't want to do all these things. And so now I really have to always tell myself, yes, financially, even though I'm not where I want to be, you know, because it's still new, it's still building. You know, we're still not, you know, we're, we're not a million dollar business yet, but, but I'm happy, you know, and I'm enthusiastic and I can smile and I can laugh and I can do all these things that at one point I actually couldn't do. And that for me is the biggest turning point, you know, so I have to remind myself every day that I may not have, right, the finances and all that I want to have, right, that I will have one day, but I am, I am whole. And that is what matters. So yeah, so that's deep. That got deep really quickly. But you know what I mean, though? You know what I mean, which is that, you know, you yourself and you in this one space, you know, are you enough? And my answer is yes. And for me, that is the biggest thing. Because as you know, Shane, money doesn't cure your inner wounds, right? So 
I think, I think, which I'm actually very happy about, and I thank God every day. I was like, you know what, God, I see what you're doing. You're trying to have me heal myself first, right? So that when the money comes, I'm not using it as a Band-Aid, right? I'm not using it. Let me just buy this and I'll be happy. Let me just go on vacation to Italy and I'll be really happy, right? Because now I'm already, I'm there. Like I'm, I'm super, like I'm, I'm enlightened, right? So now when the money comes, I will be very objective about it and not like obsessed with it. You know what I mean? So I th- I'm very actually thankful. Sometimes I'm like, God, you're like, why are you doing this? Like, this is so hard. But then I was like, you know what? I think he has a plan. And I think I'm living that plan, which is I'm healing myself. You know, I'm super happy. You can see that in the photos and the everything. You know, I, I seriously, I mean, uh, there's a drastic difference, I would say, between, you know, a few years ago and now. And now when the business grows, everything happens, I'll be dealing with it in a much more objective and professional way versus... Like, oh my God, look, I'm rich now. <laughs> you know, like, just like going nuts, you know. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. So hopefully that answers your question. And Totally. And it's, yeah. it's always an open-ended question. I try to ask it to a lot of guests. But um, Shajini, it's been great talking to you. I wish you so well. I think we occupy completely, we, there's more than the Atlantic Ocean that's between us, put it that way. You're a different generation, you're a different gender, you're a different cultural background, but I really do, I, I like what you're doing and I wish you the best of luck and uh, I, I'll be, hopefully I might even see you in Dublin when you come in April. Yeah, totally. Dude, I will message you uh, that uh, event uh, link, you know, with tickets and everything. If seriously, I'm, I'm not even kidding. If you can make it, um, it's just going to be a fantastic summit, uh, tech summit, a lot of great speakers, uh, tech, entrepreneurship, business, digital. I mean, I think you'll have a blast. So I would love to see you if you can be there. Um, Gary actually spoke there, I believe in 2017. I think, so yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, their first few years. So, so that that's how they came to be like, yeah, Gary spoke here. And I was like, Gary spoke here. Oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's a big deal. So, um, so yes, would love to see you. Um, would love for you to read the book. Um, when it's out on Amazon, Shane. And thank you, seriously. I mean, I I really think that what we're doing together, you and me, you know, media, using media, I would say for good, is that we're bridging the world, right? So like you said, gender, all of this, you know, it, it is not a matter of separation. It is a matter of unity. So we are go-getters and we are united. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, Shinjini, it's been fantastic talking to you. I wish you the very, very best of luck and talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Shane.